We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Okay, let's get going. Welcome once again to another podcast. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I, t- I took a little break from podcasting uh, mostly because, well, actually a couple of things. Uh, one, I was working on a little uh, creative video, which uh, looks like it's going to wind up being about 50 seconds long, and it's taken me months of time to do it. But I tell you, man, video is amazingly time-consuming, I mean, you know, with with audio, it's really simple, right? You just, you know, put some stuff into it, and if it doesn't work, you just chop it out. No big deal, as long as you can't, you know, hear the edit. It's it's fine, but, you know, video, it's like you could have a voice going on in the background, sort of, or, you know, somebody talking and giving exposition, and it's like, well, we can't focus on that too long. Uh, you know, we, we, we've looked at that thing for, gosh, you know, 30 seconds now. That's way too long. We have to have some other visual to put on top of it. We got to keep, you know, and it's like, well, I don't know what you, I mean, it's, it's just at, at some point you just are like, I don't know what, I don't know what to put on the screen. I'm out of ideas. All right. We've, we've shown you, we've shown you, we've shown your hands. Now what do we do? And this is why if you're going to do a video project, you got to storyboard this out because you know, it's nice when you're doing your own thing. It's no big deal because it's like, ah, you know, I'll just take as long as I want. And, you know, I'll, I'll grab a picture of a friend from my archive from some event we went and I'll throw that in like we're looking at family photos, you know, just whatever. Uh, but boy, if you're doing this professionally, man, you got to be on it because you can't just grab any old thing after the fact. I mean, you really have to... You have to have your ducks in a row, man, because, you know, if, if you've got people there, and even if it is something you're doing for fun, if you have to rely on anybody else, which is why my videos don't, it's be, it's not because I don't have people who want to help, it's because I, I never have my act together enough to plan it out well enough to say like, okay, and then if I miss something, you know, if it's just me, no sweat. I just go back, you know, go into the backyard for this little 50 second video. I think I've had to do, you know, three rounds of pickup shots because it was like, well, we've stared at me long enough. Now we got to stare at something else. And I have to say, this is the big difference between uh, professional, I, I'd say there's two big differences between pro- professional videos and, uh, and you know, stuff that looks amateur. And one is audio quality. I think I've gone over this, but audio quality and uh, coverage. You know, like the, do we just look at you the entire time or do we look at you? We look at something else. You know, we look at your hands. We do, we do all these things. Uh, and it's weird, too, because if you look at old movies, you'll see the camera, like the guy will walk in the door, the camera will pan across the room following the guy, he'll walk over to the desk, he'll pick something up, he'll walk all the way, there are no cutaways, there's no, no nothing. And it's weird to watch, too, because I think, you know, uh, sub, sub, uh, subconsciously, hey, there's the word, uh, we are all used to coverage. We're used to seeing it. And when we don't see it, it's like, you know, even people who don't 
you know, didn't go to film school or broadcasting school or whatever, they don't know that. They don't, you know, know the word or the term or why it's important, but it is. It's weird. I mean, you see that guy walk across the room with no cutaways to anything, and you're like, wow, this is just... Who made this? So the other reason I haven't been uh, podcasting is because I've had this terrible cough for the last week, and I went to the doctor and I got some uh, antibiotics. Um, so th- I'm on day two of antibiotics, and um, I- I've never been on antibiotics before, and I don't know if this is common, but uh, on my bottle it said, take with food. So I was like, great. And I had breakfast. And I took it, and boy, did I get high off those antibiotics. Now, it could be that um, I didn't get high off of them day one because I hadn't taken any codeine yet. For whatever reason, my doctor gave me codeine to help me sleep. Now, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really need help sleeping. I need help getting rid of this cough. You know, unless you have something in it, like Mucinex or whatever, uh, this is going to, you know, what are you doing? But anyway, so I was like, hey, man, codeine, let's get crazy. And honestly, codeine, nah, not not that great. You know, I know a lot of druggies really like it. And, you know, she had to get out the the special prescription pad to write it out for me. And, I was, and, you know, so I, of course, I was all excited because uh, I, she didn't say so, but I don't think you can drink when you're on uh, antibiotics. And so uh, that means no drinking for a week, which is fine. I'd rather, you know, get rid of this stupid cough than care about drinking. But, uh, you know, hey, man, let's get high in the meantime. Let's let's have some codeine. Let's get crazy. And you know what? I, I had I had Viki- uh, Vikings. I had Vikings. Arr! I had Vicodin when um, I had my finger operated on, and uh, I didn't care for that. It made my stomach upset, and I didn't get high off of it. Uh, the codeine, eh, not, not so much of a high. But I tell you, man, the antibiotics, the antibiotics with the codeine, like I didn't have codeine this morning. It must have been still left over in my system from last night or something. Or maybe it is just the antibiotics. The antibiotic high, eh, it's not, it's not so much fun. Like, I like the drinking high because I can still pretty much function. This high is like you just stare off into space and you'll do it for 20 or 30 seconds and then you'll be kind of like, what was I doing? Huh. So it kind of does kick you on your ass. I mean, you know... Uh, I can do a lot of things while drinking. I, I've worked, I work out when I'm drinking. Uh, I, you know, I do, uh, uh, weights or we sports or whatever. You know, I do it at my house. I'm not drink, driving around, you know, and drinking and doing all this. But this high, this high is gnarly. So, uh, yeah, I know. I, I think that's probably for the best. You know, that I'm, I'm not enjoying the prescription drug high. Like, as much fun as it would be to be like, well, you know, this cough really is uncomfortable and unfun. Maybe there's an upside to it. But, you know, at least on the, on the plus side, uh, there's very little chance I will abuse prescription drugs. Because I, I have yet to find anything that's even remotely pleasurable. So, and of course, the other thing that's been going on is I've been looking for a job which, you know, I talked about last week. Uh, I had I had a couple of 
uh, interviews uh, this week. I just had one on the phone this morning before the antibiotics totally kicked my ass. Uh, and I don't know. I This is going to be really hard um, going back to work. Not only am I enjoying the, you know, shuffle around the house in my slippers, do some dishes, you know, look for a job kind of lifestyle, walk the dog uh, twice. It, it's... It's going to be really tough because the last job I had was uh, – was it had a built-in network, which was great. Like, I'm such a social person. Like, I – you know, the person who got me the job there was a friend of mine. Um, one of the other people on our team was a friend of his, who I really like and now is a friend of mine. And then when we had another person leave – um, we got, you know, a mutual friend of me and the first guy to do this job. It was great. And I mean, we had, we had our little tight knit group of friends. We'd go out, you know, afterwards and have fun. I mean, it was really like a big social to do. And whatever next job I'm going to get, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to have that. I mean, it might eventually, but... It's not going to be right out the gate. And, you know, I was there for five years at the last job uh, doing stuff with that great group of people. And walking back into this, you know, it's going to be a weird gig. You know, and and the two places um, I interviewed at, one is six people with a fair amount of travel. And uh, the one I uh, talked to today... Uh, is it seems like chaos, just the, the, the business model of chaos. So I go in there and the hiring manager doesn't remember speaking to me on the phone at all. He's talking to me like this is the first time we've ever spoken. I'm giving him answers like it's the first time we've ever spoken. He's furiously scrolling through uh, my resume trying to look for anything to ask me about And you know what? Look, I have done this job, right? I have been a hiring manager. We don't, we didn't have, you know, zillions of candidates, but we were able to narrow it down to a few and we'd look at them. And, you know, I could look at the first line of the resume if I was blanking on who this candidate was. And as soon as I saw the first job there, I'd be like, oh, right. Yeah, you're that guy. Oh, okay, great. Let's talk about this. You know, I had spent a fair amount of time looking at these people and certainly anybody I had spoken to on the phone, I knew well enough to be like, oh, we've got so-and-so coming in today. Look at that. Oh, yeah. and, And he was late. That was a genius. That really made, made me feel good about, you know, being there. But what really drove me insane, right, was the indicator that I've really just picked the wrong profession because it is a profession that nobody values. And they think that it is something that you can just pay any 22-year-old kid out of college or some 18-year-old kid out of high school, and it doesn't matter. Oh, you fix computers? Oh, okay, great. Oh, these kids today, they're great with computers. Here, here, go. here's a computer. Go fix it. Right? Like, that's all there is to it. There's none of this, you know, 
customer service and and being able to deal with people and understanding different personality types. I mean, that's not something 18-year-olds do. 18-year-olds have this very isolated view of themselves in the world, and it's like, this is who I am. Therefore, everybody else in the world is just like this. Whereas when you get to be my age, you realize, oh, that's uh, Helen. She's uh, depressed all the time for no good reason. Oh, there's this other person who's super bubbly and pop, you know, and, and, and happy all the time for no good reason. And you have to treat them differently and you have to understand their quirks and you have to understand that, you know, when they look at you like you just murdered their mother, that's don't take it personally. And you can't teach people this, right? It's just the thing that they learn on their own. And, you know, when I was 18, when I was just out of college, I had no sense of organization. I had no way of prioritizing and 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 how do I get all this stuff together? And I just didn't know how to do it. Now, mind you, technology's come a long way, and I can do it now. But it's it's not just technology. I mean, I, I, I it took me years to understand the idea. I should be making lists. I should be writing this stuff down because here, you know, I have a pretty good memory. Short term memory, not so good. Long term memory, way way better. Of course, I don't understand this at eighteen that there are two different types of memory. So I think, well, I've got a good long term memory. I can recite, you know, music lyrics and Billy Crystal Saturday Night Live bits like it was yesterday. But I don't understand that there's two kinds of memories, and that's the thing about these eighteen year olds. So anyway, let's go back to the ad agency and the. Uh, hiring manager loves to talk, and he is just telling me about how they spend money like like it's water. You know, we're going to get so much productivity out of our people if we pay for their cell phones, pay for their internet connection, give them mobile cards, all their computers, uh, let them uh, treat their work computers as if they were home computers. And the entire time I'm hearing this... I'm, I know, I know from the temp agency who sent me there how much they want to pay me. And I'm thinking, really? Like you're talking about throwing all this money around and all these things you do for your people and you want to offer me less, less than, less than what I made at my previous job, which is retail, like sort of the, defining industry of cheapskate, you know, uh, the, the, you know, we all, you know, there are all these industries and they all pay differently, like, you know, software development firms, you know, people like Apple computers and Google, they have a lot of money and they, they're going to hire the top talent and retail. It's like, look, the margins on this clothing, eh, it's a little, you know, touch and go sometimes. So we can't pay you very well. This is another rule for the kids. When you're going into an industry, look at the industry because, you know, even if you do something like web application development or fixing computers or desktop support or whatever, depending on what industry you get involved with, the pay scale is also dependent on which industry you're in. So anyway, I just spent the last five years in notoriously cheapskate retail, and I understand that. And it was, you know, my choice to stay, and I loved the group and the environment and the people, so I stayed. But now, now I'm going into this hornet's nest of the uh, throwing money like it grows on trees to all its employees to get more productivity out of them, and they want to pay me less? 
less. Now, I understand I'm going through a staffing agency. Obviously, the staffing agency has a little bit of a premium on it. Okay, so even with their premium, I'm calculating it in and I'm realizing now they're just paying the staffing agency the exact same thing I was getting paid in retail. And it's very frustrating because, you know, when you when you do something, you don't ever expect that you're going to go backwards. You don't ever think, well, I've been doing this job for five years and then cruise into work one day and they're saying, guess what? We're cutting everybody's salary. And you certainly don't think, I'm going to leave one industry, I'm going to go to a higher paying industry that has way more stress, way more responsibility, uh, way more everything, and you just would expect that you're going to get paid more to do that. And it's really frustrating because it just it just goes against everything that I I've understood as the way things work. So that combined with all the other things I've been seeing online where, you know, people want to pay desktop support people, uh, you know, college kid rates. It's really, really been frustrating to me. Okay, so now if you hearken back to the worst episode of this podcast where I talk about the worst jobs, I talk about that one where I was doing data entry, and one of the few perks of working there was the uh, hot chocolate, because they had free Swiss Miss hot chocolate cocoa packets, uh, you know, where I mix it up with the hot water and stuff, and I would have two of those a day, and then they accused us of stealing hot cocoa packets, and I was like, you know, so what? Right? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Right? I mean, what a pallet of that costs you six bucks. So what? You're losing six bucks a day on 20 people. I mean, just consider it a 10 cent an, uh, an hour raise, you know, that you're giving us free cocoa, you know, and I, and it, it it's, it's one of the few perks to this miserable job. And I don't understand really the person who takes their job so seriously, right? Like, you know, I, I used to I used to be the guy in charge of buying things for people. And, you know, people would say like, well, I need this. And I'd be like, well, I don't know. What about you buying? You know, after doing that job for a while, I was like, you wanted to do what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll buy one of those. Sure, why not? And, you know, you had to be fair. You obviously couldn't meet everybody's special needs. But, you know, most of the time it was like, yeah, okay, you got a valid use for it. That's fine. We'll just hear. Just what do I care? Right? So anyway, so that being said, you know, whereas I am a guy who will take advantage of the free hot cocoa packets. But on the other hand... I was at the doctor's office getting this prescription for my antibiotics, and this guy comes in to the doctor's office. He's there with his 900-year-old mother, I guess, so it would have made him, like, you know, 300. The first thing he does, he goes up to the reception, he's like, yeah, so-and-so is here, blah 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 and then he just unabashedly, right, I understand I just complained about the person, you know, why do we care about stealing the hot cocoa packets? But this guy just jams his hand 
into the jar of sugar-free candies that they have at the desk. And these are gross candies, right? Like, these are the sugar-free version of those nasty, individually harapped hard candies that your grandmother would have. And, and, and he just, just, just not even trying to be cool about it. Just jams his hand in there and he's got big hands and he just pulls out this big handful of these shitty, awful candies and just jams them in his pocket. And I'm just like, wow, is this, is this, how you cope with taking your 900-year-old mother to the doctor's office. It's like, well, I got to have a bright spot. I don't like reading People magazine, especially not a two-month-old People magazine. Um, so I'm going to load up on these awful candies. And uh, it's not that I like them. It's not that I enjoy eating them. I just need something to feel like I'm getting something out of this. Because my mother's a pain in the ass. She moves at two miles an hour. Uh, it takes me, you know, 45 minutes just to load her into the car. Uh, I need something to make me feel better. And certainly that's the way I felt about the hot chocolate, right? But at least I was cool about it. You know, I would, oh, hey, it's 1030. Time to get my hot cocoa. March right in there. You know, hot water, because they have the Alhambra coolers that dispense the hot water. A little hot cocoa, get a stir out, stir it around a little bit, drink. You know, it was a perk. But, and, and the thing is, is I enjoyed it. And there's no way he is enjoying those shitty hard candies. Oh my God, they're so awful. And, and, the, and what, does anybody who make those eat those, right? Like, is anybody putting one of those in their mouth and thinking, this tastes like butterscotch? Because it doesn't. It tastes like plastic and poison. It's and, and these are the sugar-free candies, so you know it's just, it, it, it's even less like something found in nature. So getting back to that terrible job I had for just a second, uh, it, it was interesting because, you know, after a while it started to peter out and they had to let some people go, and I had a ton of typing errors. Like, I didn't start out, I started out so good. Like, I, when they did a first spot check of my errors, I was perfect. And then they did the next spot, ch set, spot check of errors, and I was terrible. Boy, did I suck. And then it just got worse and worse. And then when they had, uh, you know, a decrease in orders, it was like, yeah, you, you we're, you know... I mean, look, who are you going to get rid of? The rock star or me? You know, obviously, I, I should have been the one to got. So then what, what you know, so I, anyway, I got let go. And then the very next week, I get a call from a temp age, from the same temp agency who said, hey, guess what? That expo company, they need people to do sales for uh, the the net, the Networld, Networld Interop was the name. God, I can't believe I still remember that. Networld Plus Interop is, uh, there, they do classes there and, uh, they need, uh, people to sell the classes to the people who are attending the convention. And I, oh, okay. This was fantastic. It paid better. We got commissions. Um, you know, it was, it was such a better job. And then, um, all we would do would just sit on the phone all day, you know, calling people. We had a big list and, you know, I got a lot of voicemail. But, you know, yeah, I made I made way better money. And it was such, oh, my God. The fact that they fired me from that other job was the the best thing that they could have done for me. I mean, my hands didn't hurt anymore. And I made more money. And here's the best 
part. I actually felt like part of a team. You know, that was the thing that sucked the most out of, you know, that data entry job was you just really felt alone. And it was sad, too, because, you know, this is way before the invention of iPods. So, you know, the best you could do is sit there with your Walkman and listen to the radio, listen to your music or whatever. But, you know, being part of a team is just so great Uh, because you feel like you're not alone. You have a shared experience. You talk to people about, you know, things you can relate to. You, You get to talk about ways of solving problems. And unfortunately, you know, in my next job, uh, I, I guess I'll be on a team, but it it just won't be the same. Oh, just to say, a side note, uh, one of the calls I made on that job selling stuff was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd go down the list of people and, you know, you get a little punchy, you know, when you've been calling all day and you get a little weird and, and uh, there was this guy, Richard Bean, and... Um, you know, I I had my little headset on like uh, Judy Time Life does, and I called him up. Well, there's a reference that no one will get. Neato. And I called him up. Uh, I had my Madonna headset on. Let's put it that way. And I call him up, and, uh, you know, that's kind of a weird thing. Oh, wait, I'll get to the weird thing in a second. Uh, anyway, so I called him up. And I got his voicemail, and uh, I left a message. And because I'm wearing a headset, uh, you didn't hang up. You hit the release button, which was funny because, you know, I would I would call people so much during the day. I'd go home, and rather than, like, hang up like a manual handset phone, I would look for the release button on it. And I'd be like, oh, right, no, I don't have that. Um, but I hit the release button on the phone after I'm calling Richard Bean, and I just... I'm staring at my list of, of names and I'm just like, Bean, 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 Bean. And then I hear on the other end, if you'd like to modify your message, press one. If you're happy with your message, press two. And I'm like, yeah, press one, press one, press one. So, you know, I hit one and I got to re-record it with all the, without all the Bean commentary at the end of it. Oh, but anyway, oh yeah, so the funny thing is, is I was thinking about the other day, oh, last night, last night while I was on coding trying to fall asleep, I, I was thinking about how weird it is that we see commercials for things just a ton, just a ton of commercials for a thing, and then it's not like that thing disappears, but it's sort of like... I don't know. Maybe I grow up and I start watching different television. I mean, obviously now I'm, you know, skipping through commercials. But even then, if like a commercial looks interesting, I'll at least recognize what it is or maybe stop and watch it or something like that. But but I remember, you know, back in the day, there were like, like commercials for everything. Um, You know, like, like Judy Time Life. Like, obviously, we don't see, uh, you know, we don't see a lot of, like, Time Life books, Wars in the Pacific, you know, buy it on VHS or DVD. Like, they must still sell that stuff somewhere, right? I mean, that's basically the History Channel. Maybe they don't sell it anymore because of the History Channel. 
And I remember, um, ad, like smoking ads. Smoking ads. Well, that kind of makes sense because it's like, okay, all right, uh, tobacco companies, you can't, brought, you can't make uh, TV commercials anymore because it's, you know, too available to kids and whatnot. So they were like, oh, all right, all right, all right. But now it's kind of funny, right? Because the smoking ads, uh, in magazines, Really, pretty much the only smoking magazines you ever see are on the back cover of Playboys. And I always think it's funny, too, be like when you go into somebody's house who has Playboys, uh, it's, it's, you know, if you see the magazine flipped over and you see the back, it's like, like they didn't know company was coming over and they're like, oh, geez, uh, what do I do with, well, just turn it over face down and, you know, I'll go answer the door. Uh, if you see, if you see a smoking ad on a magazine, you're like, all right, that guy got Playboys. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, today's topic, which is creativity. Um, you know, one of the things that was weird about, about me is I have a lot of creative ideas, but it's tough. I don't know if I could ever work in one particular creative avenue because I just don't have enough ideas in any one place. I mean, obviously, the the podcast, you know, has has actually been going on much longer than I thought it ever would. But that's, a, you know, sort of easy. It's just sort of, you know, rambling about anything. And, and really, you know, a lot of it is what's going on. Oh, my God. I can't believe I totally forgot about Mel Gibson. So for those of you who, who are listening to this in the future, uh, we are in, I would say, the tail end of the tapes being released by... Uh, Mel Gibson's baby mama about the crazy conversations uh, that they've been having. You should just fucking smile and blow me, because I deserve it. And w- what it sounds like really was they had one half-hour conversation that uh, somehow found its way over to RadarOnline.com. RadarOnline.com was uh, started by a, an ex-editor-in-chief from uh, the Inquirer, and uh, he and they are the people who interviewed Octomom. There's a, a dated reference there for you, Octomom. Uh, and, and no, they didn't interview Octomom. They interviewed her parents, and where the parents are like, "Yeah, that that bitch is crazy." So um, they got a hold of this half hour and probably longer of uh, uh, a tape uh, and and you know who knows we don't know if it's a set of tapes or one tape or whatever uh I, my guess is it feels like after listening to all the pieces it feels like one long conversation that they had and it was probably longer than the half an hour released but you know the other half hour of the tape that they didn't release is probably much more mellow right like you know, you're not going to release the, the the boring stuff where, uh, you know, Mel is just calmly saying, uh, you know, it's kind of messed up, you know, what's been going on between you and me, baby. Uh, you know, you're not going to release that with the long gaps in the middle and she's got to go talk to the UPS delivery man. But, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe the UPS man delivery man's what set him off. You're spending more of my money, bitch! You know, and um, well, I, I have, I think I have a, uh, a unique perspective, no matter where you've been listening um, and, and listening to people talk about these uh, Mel Gibson tapes. Uh, I do think he's drunk in them. Um, I've, been, I've been listening to a lot of people who 
are rageaholics, you know, people who drink and just get out of their mind crazy mad. And I can't relate to those people at all because I get happy drunk and, and, and drunk is really what, like, at the time when I'm like, you know what? My life really isn't this bad. Like, I sit around walking around all day going, my career's not where I want it to be. And, uh, you know, I wish I had done, you know, th- I'd taken, you know, studied this differently or done this differently or just been born later. But when I drink, it's like, no. I have a really nice life, you know, I'm not hurting financially, I got a great wife, I got some crazy animals running around, we got this cool house, I live in a place where it's warm, I mean, man, it's really not that bad, but, you know, so, all right, maybe, you know, based on what other people have said, and I'm trying to judge people, you know, based on not just my own ruler here, I am the ruler, uh, uh, Supreme Court rules, they rule. But, um, I think I, I can judge one thing objectively, and that is, I do not understand what anybody sees in this woman. Um, I, 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 she, uh, for those of you who don't know, she, uh, Oksana, uh, she had another child, uh, I believe she was never married to Timothy Dalton, uh, celebrity James Bond franchise almost killer Timothy Dalton. But she does. She has another kid with him. Clearly, this broad has learned very little about contraception. Now, I understand Mel Gibson, uber Catholic, maybe doesn't believe in rubbers or whatever, but geez, woman, really? Is this, is this what you want? You want to have just a random string of babies with celebrities. I mean, don't you, I don't know. I mean, don't you want to be a little bit careful and say like, hey, maybe this relationship won't last forever. Um, and I mean, okay, I don't know what this broad is like in her daily life. Uh, you know, maybe she's charming. Maybe she's lovely. Maybe she has a great sense of humor. But I know that that accent is really annoying. Because you weren't ready to go to jacuzzi as we agreed. I know that she looks weird, right? Like she's got a very odd looking head. She claims to have been a model. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I saw her in some lingerie and she looked okay, but really? A model? And then, you know, I understand on the tapes she's sort of frustrated and dealing with Mel and all this stuff, but she doesn't come off as anything special either. Like, she, I mean, one of the crazy things that comes out of these tapes was, um, she says, um, you know, he's screaming about how, uh, he was gonna show up and then they were gonna go to the jacuzzi together. But she fell asleep, and he really wanted a blowjob, and, you know, I guess he wanted a blowjob, but not enough to wake her up or whatever. And and she says, um, I was going to go to Jacuzzi, again, the annoying accent, it's a definitive article, all right? You could have said a jacuzzi and it would have been fine. I, we would have, it would have made more sense. Cause honestly, all the times she said jacuzzi in those tapes, we thought she was going to a club called jacuzzi, right? Cause she keeps saying, 
I was going to jacuzzi, so I was waiting for you. And she's like, so apparently, and, and the guy from Radar Online was on Howard Stern, and he firmly believes, no, 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 it's a jacuzzi that they own. And it's weird. I don't know where this jacuzzi is, but she's like, it is so dark back there. I was waiting for you. You said... I'm, I'm afraid it's dark outside. Fuck it. Okay, now wait a minute. Are you telling me that you've got a, 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 a gazebo, a, a jacuzzi gazebo with no lights? Yeah, and, you, and no way of turning them on and off from the house? I mean, come on, man. Like, maybe you are hurting for money because this just seems like a basic thing. Hey, Jacuzzi. I want a remote control from the house so I can turn it on from here. I can get the jets going. I can get the heat up. I want to turn on the lights. I want to be able to walk out in the middle of the night, uh, have fun, have sex in my jacuzzi without disturbing neighbors. Like, that's, that's how a movie star rocks the jacuzzi. I want a bar on the side and, and that fridge better be damn cold even it's plastered up against the edge of a 108 degree jacuzzi that's who i am i'm mel gibson i got a fridge inside my my jacuzzi and i'm mastering the elements i have cold drink in warm water ha ha oh yeah and the other thing and you know so mel just gets all fired up about about her. Now, here's the other thing. Again, I don't understand the rageaholic. I don't understand the guy who gets blind drunk and then is mad at the world. Like, why would you do that? Right? Like, I know I've done some things in my life that frustrate me, you know, who make that make me angry. Most of those things are things I am forced to do in order to live in this society, right? Like, I have to go to the DMV. You know, I have to, I don't have to, but I will stand at the return line at, at uh, uh, Home Depot to return the part or whatever I don't need because it was $13, even though $13 really in the long run means nothing. But all of those things if they drove me that insanely mad, I would say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. He must, he must get blackout drunk. Because if you were this angry, this much from drinking, and you remembered it, you'd be like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this thing that makes me that mad? You know, I'd be better off just sitting home smoking weed or something, having hallucinations on antibiotics. So anyway, so uh, he's yelling at her because um, she doesn't blow him enough. And again, really? You're Mel Gibson. I mean, I know you're old. You're not Lethal Weapon Mel Gibson. But can't you just get another girlfriend? I mean, do you really have to care this much about this annoying broad who isn't even that hot? He, you know, he yells at her in one of the tapes about um, having breast implants and her, him saying to her that she lied about it. And, uh, you know, I have to say, I was a little disappointed by the boobs. I, I, I could not find any pictures online uh, describing the <laughs> just, you know, flotillas of breast implants that he was implying she had. And here's another thing. 
how intimate do you have to be? Because he, he claims uh, that she lied to him about the breast implants. Like, how often, how, how intimate do you have to be with somebody to know whether or not they've got implants? I mean, you get a woman out of a bra, lying on her back for more than two minutes, and you, 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 know, you see them sitting up, and you're like, oh, yeah, she's got implants. Why he cares that much about implants? Boy, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like he's looking to get mad at everything. So I get it, Mel Gibson. You're old. Maybe you feel like, oh, I can't get another woman. I already had a baby with her. How many other women in this world am I going to knock up? But geez, again, like the alcohol, wouldn't you just say, if she makes me this mad, maybe I shouldn't pursue this. Maybe I should say, I don't love you. We are done. We shouldn't be even talking anymore. Uh, I will see my daughter if I can that I have with you, but it will be... You know, the nanny going into your house, picking her up, taking her out to the car. I'll spend the weekend with her with the nanny. We'll come back, you know, reverse operation. I just don't understand this. Uh, I, I, You drive me insane and we need to keep talking. The other thing that's interesting, too, is, you know, there's the, the theory going on that, uh, that she spent... Uh, a lot of his money and he was, you know, he's accusing her of only being a gold digger. And it's like, um, Mel, we all remember how much money you made off the passions of the Christ. I mean, you owned that movie, Lock, Sock and Barrel, and you made, I think it was worldwide, like $500 million with this movie. Now I understand movie cost, you know, movies cost money. It wasn't for nothing, but you've got a lot of money. I don't care if she spent, you know, $20 million. And let's say you only have $100 million. Good. We're done. I still have $80 million. Go away. And you you must be the cheapest ass bastard in the world if you're screaming about her spending your money when you clearly have a boatload more and you won't even put lights in your jacuzzi. What is the matter with some people? Maybe that's something about, you know, Mel Gibson's weird, crazy church uh, where, you know, he, you can't have lights in the jacuzzi. In jacuzzi, Mel. Oh, right. Creativity. That's what we were talking about. One of the things that uh, Zay Frank from uh, ZayFrank.com, Z-E-F-R-A-N-K.com, talks about in, uh, in his pod or in his video blog thing, the show... Uh, is a brain crack. Like, you don't, you just need, it's like momentum is the way he sort of describes it. Like, you just need a little push to get you going. And then it's like, you know, rolling a rock down a hill. And then pretty soon, this thing reminds you of that thing, which reminds you of that thing. And now you've got something that you can build on and go somewhere. So, you know, the, I guess the idea here is, is if you're feeling uncreative, you don't need massive revelation inspiration type thing. You can respond with just, you know, a couple of things to get the ball rolling. That's all you need. And then the rest will sort of take care of itself and chug a lug along the way. 
The other thing is, if you're doing creative things, it's so weird how when you finish them, how they are perceived, right? Like, I was when I was doing songs for the Howard Stern Song Parody Contest, I did like five or six songs. And I was like, okay, um, you know, and I threw in Jackie is a Drunk, which was the one that wound up winning, as just something, again, to sort of keep the momentum going. I was just like, I gotta keep in this rhythm. Um, and I never thought Jackie's a Drunk would win it. I never, I, I thought, I just did it for myself, really. And then all the other ones that I thought were so amazing, like, they didn't give two shits about. And that's uh, sort of the the crazy thing about creativity. And I think this is why it's so tough for like movie people to see critique of their work online because, you know, they come off of this high of working on this thing for months and months and months and then they just release it to the masses and then, you know, people crap on it a lot of times. So to me, there is like you know, sort of a process of being creative. And that is, you know, um, the the first rule of creativity is just do it, right? Like, I used to have a, um, a uh, acting teacher, and, and she would, you know, describe it as the Nike philosophy, because that used to be one of their slogans of acting, would be, just do it. Get up on that stage. You've got this monologue memorized. Just go. Just start doing it. And then the second rule um, that we sort of talked about in acting class, which I think also really transcends acting and into everything, which is make a choice, right? Like, figure out what the vision of this thing is. And I've been listening to uh, Mark Maron's WTF podcast a lot. And one of the things I never a lot... (laughs) Okay, no, that's not true. A new episode comes out. I listen to it. I don't know if that's really a lot. But uh, I've been listening to every single episode. And one of the things, you know, I tried stand-up comedy. I talked about that. And one of the things I never thought about was this thing that Mark Marin talks about to every single person that comes on his show is developing that voice, that distinctive style Like, there were so many people I saw on The Tonight Show, they had a style, but it wasn't, it didn't hit you over the head. Like, Bobcat Goldthwait, right? Like, you can't miss it. That was an act routine. Like, people like Emo Phillips and Judy Tenuta and, like, those people, it's like, they were doing a character. So it was obvious. And then you get into other people, though, who were a little less obvious, like George Carlin, who was sort of the crazy old man, you know, towards the end of it, but, you know, in a fun way, not like a, you know, get off my lawn, you damn kids, crazy old man. Um, but in, in acting, you have to make a lot of choices about who this person is. And boy, it is, you know, if you really want to take up your acting to the next level, you got to spend some time with who this character is. And not and and all that stuff is everything that is not on the page 
right? That is everything that you imagine. And, and you can pick whatever you want, right? Uh, it just has to inform your decisions about how you will portray this character. And the same thing goes... Oh, so anyway, I should back up a little bit because one of the best acting exercises I ever did was um, uh, the guy who played the doctor on Babylon 5, who since passed away, like really young, which is sad. But anyway, he taught this acting class and um, he said uh, he had the, 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 the acting exercise was you get up there, you're going to learn this monologue, you're going to get up there. But you're not going to perform the monologue, so don't worry about memorizing it completely. But you're going to get up there, and you're going to tell us who you are, and then we're going to ask questions about who you are to you. And that was amazingly helpful because um, it brought up all these things that I never considered just reading it. I mean, it was like I tried to, you know, do the work and get as much out of it as I could. But then people would start asking me questions. And I really felt like just even the way I was doing the character there sort of changed based on on things I was forced to think of on the spot and just decide, boom, at that moment, he is now this guy. And they would hit on some sort of sensitive things, and then that would change the performance a bit. Ah, oh, I tell you, man, that was a that was a really great acting exercise. It's tough because you know we had a room of twenty people, you know, asking questions of me, and it was it was great. Um, but anyway, I, I think you can do that in sort of every creative venture. You know, you really just have to make a choice. You know, especially like, you know, the, the king of this is Michael Moore, right? Like, even though he is making a documentary, he is making a choice about what he's hoping to get out of this. Now, it may not make for the most fair and balanced uh, documentary in the world, but boy, you know, obviously people respond to it because he's probably the the most successful documentarian of all time, and not just because he's, you know, more productive than others, but, you know, he's got that, that voice. And, uh, oh, and even a, a, a more harmless documentary like The King of Kong, where you see people battling out over, you know, the high, the high score of Donkey Kong. I mean, clearly, one of those guys is portrayed as the villain, and one of them is the hero, because that's the way the documentarian wanted to set it up. And it, and it doesn't matter. It's every short, every short story, every video, everything you want to do, you got to make a choice. And the third rule of doing something creative is make a good choice, right? Like, you know, I, I went into this acting class with this woman who was a little difficult. And um, she made this choice, and I don't believe she actually made this, but this is what she said. Like, she was supposed to play somebody who was the opposite of the way her real personality was, and she was a pain in the ass. So, she was supposed to play somebody, you know, more reserved or more, you know, whatever. And then somebody would talk to her and she would just turn away. 
Like, okay, no, that's that's still you being a pain in the ass. You were not doing a good character. And her defense was, oh, I made a choice that um, my character was deaf in one ear and I couldn't listen. I couldn't hear what they were saying. Okay, this is a bad choice. This is just a dumb, stupid choice. Now, I understand you made a choice, so it's better than no choice, but is a bad choice. So, look, make a good choice. The, the, other, the other key thing, I guess maybe this is rule four. Um, yeah, this, let's say it's rule four. Um, if, you, if you are working on, like, if you're doing something, whether it's music or, or on stage where it's like, it's with other people, you got to get on the same page, right? Like you've got to, you got to have those choices work together because if you're doing one choice and this other guy's doing something else, like, can you imagine being in a band where like one guy's like, we play heavy metal and the other guy's like, we play folk music probably is going to suck. The only way that's going to work is if everybody in the band is like, we're folk metal fusion. Great. You know, then you can make it something because you, everybody is on the same page. We're all making that choice together. And I guess this is rule five. Don't be afraid to let go of bad choices, right? Because there are things like, like I was this video I'm working on, um, you know, it wasn't working out because I was trying to be funny but the choice I had made was just taking it down the serious path, which I didn't want to do because the whole point of it was to make something funny. So I could have said, okay, screw it. We're just going to go down the serious path. But it, it, it already didn't look right. There was no way people were going to buy it as a serious video. So I just said, okay, screw it. I'm going to ditch that idea and we're going to go down this other path and we're going to make this funny video this other way. And it's it's a little unfortunate because... You know, originally the way the thing was written is it goes along and it goes along and at the end there's one big joke and that's it. And now the way it kind of works is it's it's sort of goofy and there's sort of little jokes along the way and the end joke isn't as big because the whole thing else is kind of goofy. But it's better than the alternative. So I said, okay, fine. I gotta let that let I gotta let that go. So that's fine. Now. The, the sixth rule, and, and as we get into these rules, you know, obviously they are stacked in order of importance, right? The number one rule is the most important. So by the time you get down to the sixth rule, it's a little less important. But um, if you can, don't make the obvious choice, right? Because especially if you're going to try and do something funny, a big part of comedy is... Uh, surprise, surprise. So if, you know, the whole joke is just so predictable from a mile away, once you get there, everybody's going to go, yeah, mm-hmm, it's all coming. All right. No, it's a good job. It's good. No, it's fine. No, it's fine, really. So don't do the obvious choice if you can. And, and, you know, start with the obvious choice and say, okay, this is the obvious choice. What can we do to make it not the obvious choice? You know, one of the problems I have with creativity is I forget good ideas really easily, so I'm constantly having to write them down, but I'm not one of these persons, persons, peoples, boodoodles, 
who carries like a, you know, a notebook with them and I don't have a smartphone or any of that other jazz. So it's just like, all right, I hope I remember this long enough before I get home. And that's, you know, this netbook that I've been writing all these podcast ideas, I think that's really helped the podcast actually, because, you know, I can, you know, this thing boots up in like 10 seconds, thanks to Ubuntu. Uh, and I can write these things down. And thanks to, you know, Google Docs, I can save it up to the interwebs or whatever. Uh, and so I never really know when creativity is going to hit, which is unfortunate. Like, I don't think I could ever be one of those people that's like, I'm going to sit down and write this. Like, but that's what Drew Carey does uh, on the Nerdist podcast. He said, like, he forces himself to sit down and write. It's like, I don't know, like 10 jokes a day. Um uh, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you be like, I am going to be funny now. I will sit down. Here is a pen. What jokes can I make about a pen? None. Moving on. You know, it's like, how do you even do that? So anyway, finally about creativity. Um, I don't know where I learned this, uh, but, you know, sometimes sometimes the, the obvious answer isn't the obvious answer. Uh, I remember when I was doing uh, a, a pilot for this website, UGTV.org, uh, one of the things, well, one of the, well, we had a guest on who was, who was uh, Todd Rohall, who made a movie with Piper Paraboo. And of course, every time he gets uh, asked about, you know, this thing, everybody always says, so tell me about Piper Paraboo, you know, because she was the only one who broke out of this small movie he made. And so I was, you know, when we were talking to, uh, I was talking to Steve, who was also in, in the pilot. And, um, I said something about, oh, we've got, you know, Todd Rohall on and he made Knuckleface Jones and, um, and, you know, Piper Paraboo's in that. So we're going to ask him about that. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you have to have one annoying question of the interview or something like that. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make the annoying question of the interview. And you can see it. Uh, the, the, the best of the pilot is on, uh, the website. And I think if you just type, if you, I think it's one of the links at the bottom. It just says pilot. And you can click on that and watch the whole thing. And sure enough, you know, we did it, man. We, and we did it balls out too, which was really great. Uh, so Steve, uh, is the guy in the background. So I say, you know, we build up to this thing where it's like, and now the annoying question of the interview and like Steve comes running out with like party makers and blowers and all this stuff. And he makes a bunch of noise. And then me and my co-host do this ridiculous, you know, Valley girl accent. And we, as we fawn over him and he totally throws him. It's great. But it was like, that was one of those moments where I was just like, God damn it. That is awesome. We, that was totally great that we did that because it is the annoying question of the interview. So let's ask it and let's just blow it up and make it as big as possible. And it was just like, I never would have thought to do that if Steve hadn't said, uh, yeah, you know, the annoying question. And, and I love those crazy ideas. And, and again, you never know where they're coming from. You never know. You can never see them coming. So when they do come, embrace them, write them down keep a hold of them, and then, you know, turn them into something later on. 
Okay, so it's been a couple of days since I started the podcast, and I listened back to some bits, and I was like, oh, you know what? That's actually something that I said almost verbatim from the worst episode, so uh, I can't do that. So it made the podcast shorter, and I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll throw some other stuff in the back end about what's been going on and, um, and detail the freakout I had last night. Um, I think the whole thing, well, this whole thing has been building for a while, right? Like, this has just been the perfect storm of despair. Now, I know, I know I keep saying we're going to keep it positive, people. But every once in a while, maybe there are those of you out there who you need, you know, because when you, you know, you know, when you go to work and or you see somebody and they're super, super happy and you're like, just please, just don't, don't do that. Or when you're down, like, you just want to, you just want to complain to somebody and make you feel like you're not the only one in the world. I mean, that's the one, that's the one really great thing about the, the Mark Maron's WTF podcast that I've, I've sort of understand. And, and one of the things I appreciate it is, you know, they're not even so much whining as they are just saying, this is what I go through. And this is what it's like. So I'm going to try to not whine. Maybe that can be the new uh, credo of the podcast. No whining, people. You can state your misery, but you can just you just have to do it in kind of a flat tone. Okay, so what's been going on? So this whole thing has been going on since last week. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the podcast, I talked about the cough I have. Uh, I started those uh, antibiotics uh, Monday. Okay, so it is now Friday. You know, I'm not totally done with the seven-day cycle. I haven't had anything to drink because, and I didn't ask, but usually they say don't drink with antibiotics because it, you know, interferes with it and whatnot. So I said... You know what? And I've been drinking a lot anyway. So I said, okay, well, this week uh, I'm not going to drink, you know, just on the off chance that it screws with the antibiotics. So I just said, I'm not going to do that. The cough is sort of better than it was Monday. I mean, it's definitely better than Monday, but it's still pretty prominent. So I got that going. I got, uh, let's see, the projectors, because I don't have a TV. I've got the projector, and that blew up, um, which is fine that it happened now, because it's summertime, and it's like, you know, other than Miriam watching Losing It with Jillian, uh, which she does. You know, really, it's funny, because, you know, when they when they started The Biggest Loser, you, they, you know, the impression was, we're going to have a reality game show to find who's the biggest dork out of all these people. And then, like, the big joke is, oh, no, it's about losing weight. Well, I think losing it with Jillian is not about people losing weight. It's about Jillian losing her shit all over these poor people who, you know, just don't have it together and her just yelling at them for, like, an hour. I think it's an hour show. Yeah. Yeah, oh no, she loses it. Every week she loses it. That's got to be, I tell you, man, like I've had tough jobs and I get it, you know, um, it's not, it's not digging ditches. It's, it's, you know, it's just sort of, you know, and, and the thing is, is, most of the time she doesn't do the exercise with the person. 
So she's just yelling at them. But still, man, like being full blast, you know, yelling mode, watching these poor people cry. And I get it. Jillian has a, I think, a, a heart of iron. I think she got the Grinch's original heart. Uh, she's, you know, she's tough, but I, that's her job. So, okay. That has to take a toll on you some, at some point, I think. But anyway, so the projector blew up. It's summertime. We don't have a lot. Uh, we've got Netflix, which, uh, I can watch on, or we, we can watch on my 17 inch laptop. This is a benefit of having the 17 inch laptop, by the way, is that, you know, you put it on the coffee table, you drag the coffee table all the way over to the couch and, Yeah, it's doable. It's watchable. Sure. You know, it's no, you know, 96 inch projected image like the projector usually gives us. But okay, whatever, you know. Uh, So we've been watching that. So anyway, so I got the cough that blew up. Uh, And then um, I got. (laughs) So that was Wednesday. So then Thursday comes along. And I'm trying to get this cooking show off the ground with uh, one of my old coworkers who quit to become a professional chef. And I want cooking lessons. So in essence, I get both. I get cooking lessons and um, and hopefully a web video project that people will care about. So I tested a bunch of equipment. Uh, we had already done one episode. It was kind of, it was all right, but it needed a lot of help. So I just, you know, I, I thought about it and, and all this stuff. We get there. I set up. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. And I was just like, out of my mind. Like, come on. What do you mean this isn't working? Of course, this, I tested this all. What do you mean it's not working? So, you know, it, that's the problem with wireless mics. I mean, you just, you know, walk in and out and, you know, not that I'm picking up uh, interference from other trans dimensions, mind you. Uh, that's just the the noise of interference of something. So, <laughs> so although, you know, it, there was some improvements to it. Uh, because, you know, uh, this time it was more about him and less about me and I was holding the camera and I was doing all these like, you know, MTV style like funky angles and look to his face and look to his food and being like, yeah, man, with a little bit of like, you know, Tom Waits playing in the background. I uh, during our downtime, you know, when we went to go get, you know, anchovies and lettuce and whatnot, I was telling him about how. I really wasn't looking forward to turning 40 this year. I think I might have mentioned this before. But, you know, turning 40 this year, I, it, it, uh, I try to reconcile it. I try to reconcile that it is just a number. But <laughs> it's just, I feel like it's going to be yet another thing to already drive me insane uh you know because already the career isn't going the way i wanted to um i i i bet my career on the wrong horse and i don't see any way out of it even i i i had a second interview for a different job 
and it's uh, you know it just screams low pay and there's travel involved which you know I am not a fan of flying and when you travel for work you know that usually means you're traveling alone and you don't know anybody and it kind of sucks so anyway um so anyway so okay so back to the cooking show I I I'm talking about this to to uh to the chef there and I'm telling him about uh how I'm not looking forward to turning 40 and whatnot and this uh he he said, "Oh, you know, you'll this will be interesting, you know, while we're wrapping up uh doing what we're doing and we just had finished up all the cooking stuff." And he said, "Oh, you know, one of the our old coworkers is coming over and uh and she came over uh, while I was getting my gear together, and uh, she says, uh, and I, and you know, he says, oh yeah, you remember her, and he says her name, and I say, oh yeah, sure, of course, hey, and she goes, uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, and I say, oh, I'm you know, I'm Alan, and she goes, oh yeah, I think we met at one of his um, get-togethers, and I didn't mean this in a bitchy way, but I kind of looked at her and said, we used to work together. Like it was, it was really like, I meant it like in my head, it, it was matter of fact. Um, but I think I'm pretty sure it was bitchy. We used to work together, cunt. All right. What are you doing? What's am I so fucking forgettable that, I mean, I know it's been five years, but I, you know, what's going on? It's not like you didn't see me every day for six months until you quit. And then, and then, like a year later, I think I saw you on the street and you re- remembered me then. I don't know. I, I mean, I shouldn't take it personally because, I, you know, I've met a lot of people and they do not remember faces at all. And that stuns me because I, 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 I that, that's one of the things I can do, I guess. It's my superpower. I can remember a face. If indeed you look like you used to. Now, could I have picked her out of a lineup? Probably not. But, you know, once he said her name, I, I knew exactly who she was. I knew exactly what she looked like. She looks different now. She grew her hair out, you know, obviously. And, and that's, and that's, I have to say, uh, a little harder for the men because women are constantly changing their look. And eh, dudes pretty much know. You know, I'm not a douche. I don't frost my tips. I don't have a bull ring in my nose all of a sudden. I look exactly like I have uh, probably since 98. So the last 12 years, I've looked the same. Maybe a little less hair, but pretty much the same. Anyway, so there's another thing on the pile of shit to bum me out. So, okay, Right, try not to let it get to you, whatever. So then I come home, and uh, we're watching um, Party Down on the laptop, as I previously explained. And we're watching the season finale, and I'll try not to give anything away. You really should watch Party Down. Um, I think you can get it still on uh, DVD, uh, but uh, Netflix has canceled it. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, Stars has canceled it from their on-demand service. Uh, but if you can find anybody who has it, it's it's really quite funny. It's um, 
It's, 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 you know, the first season's got Jane Lynch in it, uh, from all those, you know, Christopher Guest movies. She's on Glee now. Uh, it's got Martin Starr, who's in Adventureland. It's just got a gr- bunch of great people. Anyway, so we're watching the last episode, and, uh, Ron is the team leader of these caterers. The whole, so the whole show is about these, the world's worst group of caterers who I'd say most of them are out-of-work actors, but they still think they've got a chance. They still think that they're in the game. So uh, Ron is not an actor, but he is coming to grips with some stuff, kind of like I am. And he's drunk in the back of the van, and he's got these motivational cards that he bought, and he's reading them. And he's trying to convince himself that he's, you know, not a complete failure. And so, uh, he, you know, he's reading them and he's drunk and he's... and Oh, and by the way, I should also throw in the fact that the last two days have been long, long days. So Wednesday and Thursday... You know, the whole cooking show thing took a lot longer than we thought. I had, on Wednesday, I had two interviews in the same day where I've got to be on and interesting and perky the entire time, plus the stress of, oh, God, you know, I'm fucking a chorus line. God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. How many boys, how many girls? Uh, And so that is kind of, you know, that's kind of a little losing it with Jillian aspect to my life. So... I'm watching this and and just in you know the 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 ending of uh, the season or the the uh, season finale of of season 1 is really great. So I'm not going to ruin it for you but it, it if you think the show's going nowhere, it's not. It's going somewhere and it's great. So then um I go to bed um uh, and I have this dream and by the way, I think I've said this before, don't tell people your dreams. Dreams are usually like, unless they, unless this shit really happened, no one's going to care, right? They're just going to be like, so you really didn't rob a grocery store? You just thought you did? Okay. So I'm, uh, so, so I'm, I, and I'm going to break my rule. I'm going to tell you about my dream. I, I'm in an old folks home and I'm the age I am now. But I'm surrounded by old people. And most of them are in bathrobes and in wheelchairs. And me and like four or five other people are all in those reclining hospital beds. But they're all people who are my age. And in fact, one of them was a guy that I went to preschool with that I later went to high school with. But I didn't – I mean I was really great friends with him in preschool. And then – you know, we drifted apart and whatever. And then I saw him again at the 20 high school reunion. And we sort of talked about how, you know, we used to knew each other when we were three and four and whatever. And he's sitting next to me. And we're surrounded by all these old people. And then these little kids come out. And they do this, you know, these shitty kitty matinee thingamabobs where they sing songs and none of them can remember the lyrics and they're all off key and whatnot. And then (laughs) this is the moment where I realize I'm in the old folks home 
this this parade of children is like, wait a minute. They don't do this just anywhere. This is the kind of shit you do for old people. And I lose it. I totally lose it. And I and I I get up and I jump over to um my the my preschool friend's bed and we've none of us have spoken to anybody in the entire room i mean none of the old people talk to each other i haven't talked to anybody in any of the beds who are even my own age we've just been sitting there like vegetables and i i i just i i'm fired mad and i'm standing on top of his bed and i'm grabbing him by his bathrobe and i'm just shaking him and i'm saying what the fuck has happened to us what the fuck are we doing and i was just out of my mind and i woke up and i was so freaked out like it was like one of those dreams you have as a kid and you know, you think it's real and you wake up and you're like, I mean, it, 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 it really, it really fucked me up. I was just like, oh my God. I mean, is that, is that the way I feel? Is that what it, what it, what the fuck is that? Am I going to wind up in some old people's home? And I, I was trying to calm myself down. And one of the things that happens in the season finale of of Party Down is uh, he's uh, Ron's got his motivational cards and he's going through them and and none of the motion motivational sayings are uh, working and he looks over at Henry and he says, "Please, can't you tell me anything that'll make me believe I'm not a complete fucking idiot that that I can I can run a Super Crackers franchise." And Henry just looks at him and says, uh, hey, man, don't stop believing. And then, of course, you know, that's funny because it's a Journey song. And I'm a huge Journey fan, so, of course, I got the reference. Uh, But uh, so I'm sitting in bed after this horrendous dream, and I, I am just I'm just so shaken by this. It's four o'clock in the morning. And I just, I, my head is scrambled and I, I say, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Don't stop believing. It's okay. And then I realize I'm Ron, right? I'm Ron. I'm this guy who is managing the world's shittiest group of caterers in the world and this is not a reflection on the people i used to work with this is a reflection on me like i am the manager of my shitty career i'm not a manager of people in this scenario i'm a manager of my own bad decisions and they all feel like the worst fucking catering company on the planet i just can't get them together and they're all coming in late and talking on the cell phone and eating the cheese the cheese and there's no hope of getting out. And I'm lying in the back of that van drunk. And I, I don't know what to do. So I've got some anti-anxiety medication that I have in the, in the cupboard that I usually take for flying. 
and I broke off you know half a one pill and I take it uh, because I, 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 I couldn't get back to sleep. And then, so I think by 5 a.m., I'm down again. I'm asleep. I wake up. I don't think I've been that depressed in a year. Like, whatever happened to me, I don't know. I don't know. Because of the uh, uh, antibiotics I've been taking, I haven't been drinking. And I don't know. Maybe I'm going through some sort of alcohol withdrawal. Um, and, you know, the alcohol. Maybe my body became dependent on the alcohol to make me happy. I know for a fact that the alcohol is the part, like, that's why I drank, because it, re- it helps remind me what's ha- all the good things in my life. Okay, so it's Friday, and I think I'm doing better. Um, I still have this stupid cough. I'm on my second round of antibiotics, and I guess what I've sort of figured out is I just have to define my own worth, right? Because I think, no, well, certainly no one else is going to do it for me, but I think it doesn't have to be just a job. It can be other things. Just as long as I feel like I'm moving forward and I'm doing something. So whether it's you know, washing dishes, doing the laundry, cleaning out the cat box, applying for a job, you know, just all that stuff, keeping it going, moving along. Oh, and the projector, uh, I got the estimate back and it's, you know, it sucks that I have to spend more money on this thing, which is essentially a hobby, uh, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So I feel good about that and and go buy, go buy more Canon products because uh, I can't say enough of nice things about them. Okay, so I'm going to be okay. So as long as you're okay and I'm okay, then we're all just okay together. Okay. So, from me, from the music of Bright Brown, from Mel Gibson, from Oksana, let's do this one more time. Till then! Till then!